Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Romans chapter 8, I want us to look, let's look together at verse 12, and I'm going to read, just so that you're aware, verses 12 through 17, verses 12 through 17, and then we'll, we'll pray before we're seated here today. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh for if you live after the flesh you shall die but if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body you shall live for as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God for ye have not received the spirit, small s, of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit, capital S, the spirit of adoption, whereby we, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, the spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. What kind of heirs? Heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we may be also glorified together. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. I would, I would pull my title from the, from the 15th verse and try to make sense of what I felt so strong in prayer to share with this congregation this morning. And I want to talk about the spirit of adoption, the spirit of adoption. Would you pray with me in this house? God, we love you. We thank you for our time to be together. I pray that you would help me to minister your word effectively and efficiently in such a way that you, in fact, are exalted here today. I want your word to come forward with liberty. I'm asking that your people would be blessed. Bless our, our students that are in classrooms right now around the building. Bless those teachers that are leading with excellence and trying to serve these families. But help us that are gathered right here in this main sanctuary. Help us, Lord. Let your word come forward with understanding. Speak to us in this house, we pray it. And everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated here today. And again, if you're a visitor that's here with us today, thanks for taking time to be with us at Calvary Tabernacle. I want to talk to everyone in the room about the spirit of adoption. Everyone say that with me, adoption. Adoption. Now we have, 
We have men and women in this room that either you have adopted a child or you have been adopted. And I understand, please hear me from the onset, Brother Dugas, I fear that at times as, as ministers, we can discuss topics and not consider the weightiness of the topic. And so I understand that as I discuss and I preach today about adoption and the spirit of adoption, that even that word might carry different weight for different people. And so in no way do I put this out here as a blanket statement that I fully understand what your personal context of adoption might be. But if you will allow me here, I believe the Lord wants to speak to us in this house about a universal, universal adoption for believers. Because every one of us, while born into a biological family, we are all meant to be the children of God. Yes, we are. And the beautiful thing is that does not, it does not matter what your age is. You're his kid. Say, well, I'm 85 years old. I'm no one's kid. You're his kid. 85 years old is like the first breath to him. When you think in the time and the space of eternity, you've just began. And so it is a beautiful thing to associate ourselves as children of God. But I want everyone to hear me before I launch into this. This is an adoption you must declare. You and I must declare this adoption for it to be final. It's not whether or not he chooses us. It's whether or not we allow and we choose him. I want him to know that I choose him. I want him to know that I choose him. Allow me, if you will, to give you a couple of historical pieces about adoption in the time of Rome in which Paul is writing here. There is always historical context to the writing. While the Spirit of the Lord moves upon Paul and the Word is God-breathed, it is written within the context to Rome during this particular time. And F.F. F. Bruce, who is a very well-regarded theologian, about this particular topic, he writes, in Roman world of the first century A.D., an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name and to inherit his estate. He was no whit inferior in status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature. He was not lesser because he was adopted. And if you were adopted or if you have adopted a child today, I would tell you it is the same. They are not lesser children. They are your children. Please never make the mistake of saying to an adult near you, oh, is this your adopted child? Just say, is this your kid? Because that's who they are. Amen. 
Under Roman adoption, the life and the standing of the adopted child changed completely. The adopted son lost all rights in his old family and gained all new rights in his new family. The old life of the adopted son was completely wiped out with all debts being canceled, with nothing from his past being able to count against him. I'm glad I'm an adopted child of God. Put yourself in this era of Rome when Paul is writing to the church at Rome and saying, regardless of the debauchery and sin around you, when you cry, Abba, Father, everything you were, everything that should be a claim against you can cease to exist because you find a new identity in Christ. Now, I don't want to yell right now to get you to respond. I just want to ask a question. Aren't you thankful who you used to be? Aren't you thankful what you were is not what you are right now in 2022? Aren't you glad that the life of the old, that sinful nature, no longer gets to count against you? There are some incredible people in our more modern era of history that were adopted that many of us might not recognize. For those of you that have been baseball fans, you might not know that the babe was adopted. He was. And his, his adoption did not dictate his batting. Eleanor Roosevelt was adopted. More recent history, the late Steve Jobs was adopted. How about our signer of the Declaration of Independence, Mr. Hancock, adopted. For the Individuals who love to read and look at old literature, you would know Leo Tolstoy, he was adopted. How about during some of the golden era for, for some that are in this house, that great first lady, Nancy Reagan, adopted. Gerald Ford, adopted. The list would go on and on. And for the sake of your time in this opening, I, I will not continue or belabor since it is not textural. But it is important for us to understand that Adoption has always been a part of the makeup of society. And it was never their job to highlight that they were adopted, even though it was an obvious blessing in their life. As of late, the sensation on YouTube has been for children to ask parents that were not their biological father or mother, if they will adopt them. This has been a craze. Brother Ross, some people know about this more than others because some people spend more time on YouTube than others. If you feel witness, it may be you. Some don't know what YouTube is, in which case I would like to talk to you about a new thing called the World Wide Web. <laughs> okay. But there is this new craze on YouTube that's taking place where children are having a camera that's set up 
They're not all children. Some are in their late teens and some have already become young adults and there's a camera that is set up or someone is holding a phone and they're, and they're filming while this step parent or uh, someone that has not adopted them yet opens up and begins to read. Many of you have seen these. They've gone viral. And as they begin to read there within the letters, there becomes this request. Will you please give me your last name? Yeah, I feel some of the heartstrings. Some of you people that like to just cry, you go home and watch that just to cry. It's like the military families coming home. You know who you are. Go and, and you can witness this and watch where these children and then teens and young adults will ask this person who has become so influential and so important in their life. Now you hear me right now that that parent, that, that stepfather or mother, if you will, as our language it, 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 it so it is used or utilized, they would continue to love that child just the same. But I have been shared these videos and I have watched as these adults begin to weep, not because they were going to change their action, but because the love was reciprocated in this request. It was the reciprocated love in this request that said, I know people say you're my stepdad, but really you're my dad. I know people say you're my stepmom, but really you're my mom. Now I understand the touchiness of this topic. It's why I gave the intro di disclaimer here. I, I understand the sensitivity on some level of the topic, having worked with families and blended families for many years. So now let me take you beyond our physical and imagine how it must feel in heaven when a child says, I choose you. You chose me, but I want you to know I choose you. I want to take your name. I want everybody to know. <laughs> I want everybody who sees me to know that my last name when they buy my burial plot, I don't want them to bury me. I begin, <laughs> I begin to look at this, at people that have been adopted and how it changed the course of their life and where they could have been buried versus where they ended up being buried. They seem like they were born with no family, but they end up being buried in a burial plot next to all these other names because they were born into the family or adopted into the family, and then they got buried with the family. Now, I will tell you in this house here today that we have a great opportunity, every man and every woman in this place, to discard who we were and what other people say about us and say, I recognize you can label me by my past, but you need to consider my future. My future is that I chose him. Paul looked at a church in Rome and said, here's what you can do. You can say everybody else might choose this life, but I choose him. Whereby I cry, Abba, Father, he is my dad. He is my father. How many know that you young boys, young ladies will remember a time when you bragged on your father 
I, I have a vivid memory. I've probably shared this before, but I have a vivid memory of being a kid when I got into a, I mean, I got into a yelling match with the kid from next door about which one of our dads was tougher. You want to know my winning, this will date me a little bit. You want to know my winning statement before I turned Brother O'Neill and walked away? I said, my dad could whip Hulk Hogan. <laughs> that was my, that's what I thought was my winning argument. And when I said it, I just turned and stomped off. That's what I did. I got a vivid memory. I was standing. Here's the fence. There's the dirt we were playing to. I don't know how the conversation came up, but I was defending my dad. When I told my dad later, he just laughed. I doubt he ever wanted to meet Hulk Hogan in the dark alley. Now that I'm a little more grown, I understand that. But here's the truth. While my biological father might have some limitations, my heavenly father... Your heavenly father is not limited in his love, nor is he limited in his power, or nor is he limited in his ability, nor is he limited. My, my, my. He's not limited. You don't have a problem that he cannot handle. There is no sickness. Brother Vitae, that's why we call these requests. That's why when they put my niece on a life flight on a helicopter and we said, you tell the doctors do everything they can do. But I got on the phone and I said, you get the word out and you get everybody praying that can. You get word to the Father. Why would you tell every people? Why would you let other people know? Because my Father is your Father and your Father is your Father and, and their Father... Because he is our father and he is concerned and he is able. Tell your neighbor, elbow him, tell him he's able. He's able. And so we got to choose him. Now hear me, we got to choose to live for him and live with him. But we've got to choose to be buried with him. Because that choice of adoption means I want to live with you, but I want to be buried with you. Ooh. That's why we believe in the burial with him in baptism. Can I preach about baptism just a little bit? I hope so, because I'm going to. Because when I was praying in this altar the other day, the Lord said, preach about baptism. That we are buried with him in baptism. And when we are buried with him in baptism, we are buried in him calling out, invoking the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes, we do. We baptize people in the name of Jesus Christ. Why do you do that? People say it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter whether you say that or not. If it does not matter what you say, you can say anything. But you cannot say anything. Let's go to the text. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Now, I don't want you to be weary when I tell you that I'm about to bring six texts to you. In addition to the opening. Brother Ross, say a little prayer for me. Help him hurry, Lord. Pray to something. Six. Don't worry. The, the, the Lord will tell me when it's time to turn off. And if he doesn't, my wife will. She's behind me. There are six clear 
five of them in Acts that I'm going to use, but the first one I want to use is in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're there, say amen. We're going to read verses 10 through 15. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Watch this. Now that's real good. Until he says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the household of Chloe, that there, there are contentions among you. Well, Brothers fight. <laughs> Look at verse 12. Now, this I say. This I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. No, I'm of Cephas. Some of you even say, I'm of Christ. And so Paul asked the church at Corinth, is Christ divided? And then he goes on and asks them a question they're not ready for. Was Paul crucified for you? Were, you? were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now he is about to say something harsh here that if you're just trying to quickly read through your bread chart, you might miss. He said, I thank God I baptized none of you. That's a tough statement. For the king to look at somebody and say, I'm glad I didn't baptize you. You better have some thick skin not to be offended by that. He said, I, I didn't baptize any of you but Crispus and Gaius. Now look at verse 15. Lest any of you would say that I had baptized in my own name. Because here's what was happening. They were they were trying to be followers, but they were dividing into who they follow. Well, I'm with Apollos. I'm with Paul. Paul showed up and said, time out, time out. I got to write this letter because I'm hearing that there are, there are contentions in the church. There are people here that are working against one another, being divided in the church. They are working against each other. So he started with that introductory statement. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul wasn't crucified for you. Apollos is not crucified for you. So you don't serve Paul. Now you may love Paul. You may work with Paul. Don't you even love how he's writing in the third person here? When someone's really making a point, they're talking in the third person. If you're one of those people that talk in the third person, stop. That's an open letter from all of us. <laughs> okay. Who's somebody I can pick? No, let's not. Okay. Were you baptized of Paul? No. Paul wasn't. So what is the, Paul, what are you saying here? I'm saying to you, Quit acting like your allegiance to a man overruns your allegiance to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who you are is a follower of Christ. 
If you want to be a disciple and work with Apollos, no problem. Work with him. You want to help me and you want to help do the work for me in the church here in Corinth? And you want to just don't say that you're of Paul because you're not of Paul. If you say you're of Paul, I'm going to tell people I'm glad I didn't even baptize you. Tell me that wasn't a tough letter to read in front of everybody. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying right now, before I preach these texts from Acts, this church can never be a church built on personalities. This has always done its best to be a truth preaching church from Brother Hookstra, Brother Urshan, Brother Blarson, Brother Mooney, myself. God forbid, you hear me right now, God forbid I be hit by a bus tomorrow. I'm not speaking any, I'm not speaking anything. But here's what I know. God forbid that happens. This church will keep preaching this. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Because while we thank God for men, and I'm thankful for your prayers, and I'm thankful for your kindness, this is not a man's house except the man Christ Jesus. This is not built on the... It's not built on abilities and personalities. It's built on the infallible word of God. It's built on the matchless and timeless truths of God's word. So let's look to Acts. Now, everybody gets propped up on the first one. Most of you should know Acts 2. Acts 2. Acts 2, 37 and 38. You know what? Let's see. Yeah. Let's have these two sections just stand up. All of you. Acts 2, 37 and 38. And don't worry, because if you don't have your Bible, they're going to put it on the screen. You can just look forward and act like you're just quoting it. Okay? Here we go. Let's, let's all read it together. Now when they heard... Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They stood up on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached, and this is what he told them. You may be seated. Let's give them a hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He told them that's how you have to be baptized. Now, Here's the amazing thing. We've been looking at our baptismal, trying to make it efficient and how we get people in and out and how the process works. They baptized three, zero, zero, zero. Mathematicians. They were all added that day. Okay? Okay, let's have a little fun. Mathematicians, break that up by seconds. How many seconds are in one day? 60 divided, carry, square root, pi, key lime. Anybody got it? How many seconds are in one day? Divide that now by 60. One thousand what? 440. 
So if they baptize a person a second, how long does it take? Some of y'all are like, I didn't know we were doing this. I, some people in this room are like, I failed math. Never made it past geometry. Anybody got it? Anybody know how long it took? How many seconds? Second after 3,000 seconds. 3,000 seconds. You know how much time it would take if they had to put them through a proper protocol of one at a time? A long time. Just in case you think seconds aren't long, 3,000 of them takes a while. Okay? You know what they had to do? They had such mass conversion that disciples were wading out in the water. <laughs> and they were baptizing. Sorry, I'm, no, I'm not sorry. I want the kind of revival where it's bigger than our protocol. Where it's bigger than us being excited. I thank God for one or two because all heaven rejoices over one soul. But I do believe that there's a revival coming because he told the disciples, if you like what you see, you wait. You just wait. Because I'm going to do greater things than this. And while I thank God for what they saw, I thank God for where we are and what's coming. So I want my faith and my expectation to be bigger. So here's the deal. While I'm excited about the 3,000, I'm more thankful for the clarity on how. How were they baptized? Oh, that's easy. The same way he just got done preaching. They were buried in the name, baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Please catch that. For the remission of sins. Remember our opening statement? In the Roman, in, in this century, in even the Roman government, when they would adopt a child, who they were was gone. This is a part of the adoption process. When I get buried with him in baptism, I take on that name. And when I take on that name, I know I was a liar, but I took on his name. I know that I was a cheater, but I took on his name. Don't tell me I am who I, I'm dead to who I was. I was buried in the name. Woo! And because we were buried in the name, we act different. Or we're sure supposed to. <sighs> Here we go. Let's go to the next one. How about that? Okay. Acts 8. This, this, you're, you're a good looking section. Here we go. Come on, you guys stand. See. Arise. Acts 8 and 12. Here we go. Acts 8 and 12. Let's read it together. But when they believed Philip. Now listen, in case we think, I don't want this to be just an exercise. I want everybody in the church to understand how powerful it is when we read the word of God out loud. When you read, I challenge you, when you read your word at home, don't be a silent reader of the word. Okay, even if it's annoying somebody by you. Unless you're one of those people that reads like this. Sound like a mouse licking ice. 
Okay? If you're one of those people, you may have to go to the other room. But the spoken word, if you're in agreement with that word out loud, it's so powerful. Here, now think about this. This whole section, what you just read, Brother Ross, we believe what they believed. All these thousands of years, why are we here? We believe what they believed. They believe Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized. Men and women. Wasn't just for the ladies. Wasn't just for the men. It wasn't just. It was for believers. And when they believed, they were baptized. The name. <laughs> the name of Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Thank you. Give them a hand. Just a little historical data. Just a little historic. Listen, Acts is the one book that really annoys people that want to reason away the Bible. The historical documented truths of Acts are an irritation. They're like a piece of sand in the shoe of non-believers. And we love it. <laughs> people say, why do you preach Acts all the time? It is our history record. It is our history of the New Testament church, and we are not embarrassed of it. We're not apologetic to say that they came in and changed baptismal formula when a bunch of guys got together trying to alienate and scrutinize and move God to a place where he was not approachable by people. Jesus came for the very reason to eliminate that. Amen? All right, here we go. Your, your section, please stand, please stand, if you're willing. Some of y'all are thinking, you didn't say if you're willing to us. Acts 10. Go to Acts 10. Acts 10, verse 47 and 48. And again, they're going to put it on the screen for you. Thank you to our incredible media team for helping us out. Verse 47, 48. This is an amazing, amazing story about Cornelius. I love... I love this story. You guys hear me. Some of you would really identify with Cornelius. Cornelius is this family that they're just not prepared for them to be believers. There has to be this amazing dream that comes to the man of God. Okay? He has to see this. How many remember the, the sheep that's descending? The animals Arise and eat. I'm not going to eat the unclean. Don't call unclean what I've called clean. This is going to be a conversion that's so powerful that they're going to receive, the, not just Cornelius, his whole family is going to receive the Holy Ghost while the preacher is still trying to preach. They're going to know they received the Holy Ghost because they're going to hear them speak with tongues. It's going to be such an undeniable confirmation that the Jewish Christians, I am convinced, that the Jewish Christians that were there could not have believed without hearing them speak with tongues. They weren't ready for these bunch of Gentile believers. Old Cornelius and his house. But they start speaking in tongues, receive the Holy Ghost, and then here it is. We're going to read 47 and 48. Ready? Okay. Can any man forbid water that these... And he commanded them. Uh, 
Why don't you stick around? Why? Need to baptize us. These people who did not have history, please catch this. They were not born into this family. They were not Jews. How many remember this little statement? Sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's not talking about brother Cornelius. Brother who? Brother Cornelius. You know how bitter that was going to taste on the mouths of some people? Have you talked to brother Cornelius lately? <sighs> but while he goes there and starts preaching the gospel, it wasn't about what name they were born into. It was about the fact that Cornelius had been laying up in his house saying, God, I know you're real. The Bible says he was a devout man. That means he had been giving his alms. He had been paying. He had been, he had been praying and he had been paying even when others disqualified him. And he had been, he had been sowing in. And now all of a sudden the preacher comes walking in when he first watch this reverence. You may be seated. When he first walks in, Cornelius falls at his feet and starts to worship him. He said, get up, I'm just a guy. But he had such reverence for the man of God. It was an easy transition. One of the, one of the media's greatest jobs over the last 50 years has been to destroy trust for the man of God. Religions that don't even look like ours, teach like ours, act like ours, have brought discrediting. That's another Bible study. But they believe the preacher. And so while the preacher is preaching, they start receiving the Holy Ghost. And then the question comes, can anybody forbid water? And I know that we treat this like nobody can forbid them water. But really, some of the Jewish Christians were like, find something. Huh. find something. They don't belong. Uh, I heard them. I heard them. They were speaking in tongues. They received the Holy Ghost the same way you did. It must mean that God is bigger than how they were born. <laughs> it must mean that God has a destiny for them in spite so then what should they do? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. What is that name? It's, it's that name that's got confused by so many and it wasn't twisted until way beyond the days of the early church. Go ye therefore and baptize all nations. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And people have taken that and they have applied a title. The name. The name of the Father Those that debate with that, we take them to the book of Matthew, chapter 1 and verse 18. Because she was found, Mary, that virgin who was to conceive, was found with child of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was the Father. In the name, singular, not plural. Right? Right? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And that's how they were baptized. And it's been documented over and over again until it was changed by some early church fathers. And what was orthodox was pulled beyond orthodox. 
That's why the great revival in the world right now, you look at it, the great revival in the world right now is Pentecost. Do your own study. Take a little data survey. You go look. We're buying the churches that others are losing. We're being given properties. Not just us. Everywhere. Why? In the last days, saith In the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Watch this. And your sons and your daughters, they'll become my sons and my daughters. They're going to prophesy. They're going to see visions on the handmaids. You got to catch this on the handmaids, on the maidens, on the people they said were servants. He said, I'm going to take it. It was bondage of fear. Got to tie all these things together. Man, all these things are tied together. These prophecies we shout about and throw away and walk away from. The theological depth and the intrinsic nature of the way these things are woven together here. He's talking about it in Rome, in Romans, because the first thing we read today is you're not in this bondage of fear. This is not a slavery mentality. If we don't, if we're not careful, we miss this and we miss the fact that he is talking about the prophetic promise of Joel that even on the handmaidens. Even on the people that you thought didn't belong and that no, 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 no. They're going to become my sons. They're going to become my daughters. And it won't be the spirit of fear. It's going to be the spirit of adoption. They're going to become a part of the family. Woo. Stand with you two sections. Stand with me. I'm, 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 I'm almost done. Stand with me if you're willing or not. <sighs> I'm done. I feel like I got to be done. Acts 19. Ooh, I love this word. Acts 19, verse 3 through 5. Verse 3 through 5. Help me read. And he said unto them, unto what? Then said Paul, When they heard it, Brother Barkus, there was no debating. They weren't offended. They weren't mad. He said, how were you baptized? They said, under John's baptism. He said, oh, that was good. I'm thankful. Hey, listen. Worst thing you can do is not be thankful for the step someone's taken. Don't be demeaning about a step someone's taken. Tell them, I'm glad for what you've done. That's what he did for them. He said, I'm glad. That's good. John's baptism to repentance. Good stuff. But John had a revelation of one that was coming after him. It was all prepared. for. And as soon as he told them, watch that. As soon as he told them, they were like, let's do it. Oh, they were naive. No, they were sons and daughters. <laughs> they were believers. And if you believe in me, you believe in my word. If you believe in me, you believe in my word. And that's what sons and daughters do. And so they were all baptized. Now everyone stand. Everyone stand in the building. I'm going to be true to my promise. I'm going to close. Even though I don't want to. 
Acts 22. Acts 22. Come on, turn, turn just, just two, three chapters. Acts 22. <laughs> Got to remember what we just read about in Acts 19. It was going to be tough. Some of the disciples of John, they, they ran and they're like, hey, John. We got people leaving and following Jesus. Now that sounds humorous to us, but John had worked hard. John looked like Elijah. It's the same description of Elijah. He's got on the camel's hair. How many remember that? He's eating locusts and wild honey. He's a wild man. I'm telling you, John the Baptist was a wild person. If you don't like, like demonstrative people, John would not have been your guy. You're going to, yeah. And the disciples ran. They said they're following Jesus. And John said, I'm going to decrease. He's got to increase. That's why I was here. Now, here we are. Acts 22. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be done. Acts 22, verse 15 and 16. Let's, let's everybody in the room, everybody in the room, let's read it together. For thou shalt be his witnesses unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Why are you guys so emphatic about calling the name? Because it's the name of the Lord. It's the name of the Lord. It's the name of of the Lord. It's the name of the Lord. And so we are not apologetic. We are emphatic because their name or their sins cannot be washed away in the name of Paul. Brother Wright, you're a good man, but their sins cannot be washed away in the name of. What if whoever was baptizing would put their name because they're a witness? What if they would say, in the name of Brother Vite, in the name of Brother Robertson, in the name. No, 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 no. That name doesn't have power. It might have legal authority on your checkbook, but I need a check to be written that can remit sins and can wash away who I was. I need a name called over me. Woo! Now, here's what I need. I need everybody in here who has not been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Anybody in here who has not been baptized in that name, I need them to hear witness from some people who have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus that you found out what it was like to go down in that water and how powerful it was. Come on, does anybody remember how it felt when you went down in that water and your sins were washed away? Woo! And you remember, some of you were baptized as children, some of you as preteens, some of you as teenagers, some of you were baptized as adults. And the only reason you're not who you were is because you got buried into who you are. I want us to lift our hands all over this room. I'm asking somebody to begin to cry out the Father in this room. I'm asking somebody to begin to tell the Lord, I choose you. You chose me, I choose you.